Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, car fans. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield, here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Yep. Uh, we've got Mr. Corey Pratt, the mad mind behind Craving Cars on YouTube. Hey. And sitting in with us yet again, one of my favorite people to harass, the ever-walking Mr. Ped Watt. Why do I keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> we are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. In the news this week, Iron Man is giving new life to classic cars, five reasons why you should own more than one copy of your tools, and a dealership bragging about high car payments gets kicked in the teeth, and rightfully so. (laughs) Our special guest this week is Tim McGrain, CEO of M1 Concourse in Pontiac, Michigan. Tim will be here to tell us about M1 Concourse, this year's Woodward Dream Festival. Let's get to the news. From Fox News, Robert Downey Jr. back company rebuilding classic muscle cars and trucks with a twist. Old cars and trucks are getting a new life with a little help from Iron Man. California-based Kindred Motorworks has revealed a lineup of Restomod classic cars and trucks which blend original bodies with modern powertrains and technology. The company recently received $20 million in funding. Dang. God, that's, that's like a lottery win. $20 million in funding included an investment from Robert Downey Jr.'s Footprint Coalition Ventures, which is focused on backing environmentally friendly endeavors. Aww. Can you see where this is going, kids? Kindred's uh, vehicles offer buyers a choice of gas and electric powertrains, but company CEO Rob Howard said the long-term focus is on battery power. Kindred is launching is. with the original Ford Bronco, a 1969 Camaro, and a Volkswagen Microbus that will be available only as an EV. All use the same electric powertrain, which Howard said will provide 200 miles of range. The first deliveries are scheduled to begin in 2024 at prices ranging from 149000 to 199000 Hang on. Bear with me. The Bronco is also available with a 460-horsepower Ford 5-liter Coyote V8, while the Camaro can be ordered with either of two GM crate motors, a 495-horsepower 6.2-liter V8 or a 700-horsepower supercharged 6.2 liter v8 all right i think that one's got my vote very environmentally friendly my it, it feels like I've, I've seen this business plan before yeah yeah uh what sets kindred apart from other restoration companies is it has developed a step-by-step repeatable process for the conversions so cars can be completed in less time kindred buys all the donor cars and only sells the complete product rather than offering customization services for people who own their own cars. Huh. And? And. (laughs) And. And Howard said the company plans to add new models to the mix as it is scaling up to build hundreds of vehicles. The growth plan was a large part of why the investors found the company attractive, but Howard said it held another appeal for Downey Jr., who is producing a show for Discovery called Downey's Dream Cars that features him having classic cars converted to electric power. Uh, well, you know, we, we were talking before the show uh, because we've had Jonathan Ward on. Yeah. 
uh, from Icon, and he's got his derelict line. Well, and this also sounds very reminiscent of what Seth Burgett's doing over at Gateway Bronco. Sounds exactly like what yep. Seth Burgett's doing over <laughs> at Gateway Bronco. But what and I, he has an assembly line. Yeah. Well, what I like about Icon, though, is that they'll, they'll take, you know, pretty much junkers or close. And then they turn them into these cool vehicles that look like, uh, you know, rat rods. Yeah. Except that they'll blow your ass off at the line, and and electrically. I, so I am, uh, I I like Icon, but this whole di- idea of just taking cool cars and then electrifying them. Well, and this comes on the heels of a week where uh, California has voted to. Suspend production and registration of all gas-powered vehicles by 2035, and two days later told people they can't charge their cars because it, it overtaxes the electrical grid. <laughs> so California didn't look real good, and the whole electric car thing it, it took kind of a kick in the teeth but this week. But our heart's in the right place. Well, and you can still get the Camaro and the Bronco and gas-powered versions, and they look really cool, and they do a new interior, and they put a big touchscreen thing in there which for my money you can just keep but so where it counts you can still get the muscle yeah in the yeah. muscle and cars. they improve the suspension and the braking but and have all you, that other stuff have you ever driven a volkswagen microbus yeah i have uh, they, they go okay unless there's a hill they're really really cute but the phrase gutless turd does come to mind <laughs> so can you imagine one of those it's not like they're a big rumbling, you know, sounding car. Anyways, it would imagine one of them. Oh, with I, electric I, power? I do, I do like the idea nice. of the, uh, what did they say, 300 horsepower thereabouts? Yeah, I'd love to see that. That's only 90-something percent more power than what they come with. Now, the, the, uh, guys, now. we're missing the biggest problem here. Who's going to pay $160,000 for an electrified VW bus? I've known people oh, to restore those things that were in the 60s. Yeah, 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 it's a West Coast thing. You got After it. you restore them, they're worth that, but... That's a restored vehicle. I get yeah, it. Well, you I get can't it. tell me fresh off of Monterey Car Week and all the stuff that went on out there. Somebody wouldn't shell out 200 k for an electrified 23 window. Fine. <laughs> I, I'm, I, listen, but I'm wait, not wait, trying wait, to frustrate you. But, but no, but Compared you're to not Mecham, going to reasonable. electrify a 23-window uh, VW bus for $160,000. You're not going to get the bus for $160,000. Hey, I... I'm not arguing for or against. Here is the alternative thought, though. One of the first times I covered Russo and Steel in Monterey, there was a VW, and I did they do a 17 window? It wasn't a 23. I think they did a 17. A 17 or a 19 or something yeah. like that. Anyway, so somebody who knows Volkswagens better than I do, Corey. You want to ask me a question about a golf? I can tell you okay. a lot of cool things. <laughs> Never mind. Isn't that the same thing as a micro bus? Just somebody a had more taken less windows. One of those <laughs> buses and done a wide body kit on the back. Yeah, but that's wait, 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 wait. But there was a reason for it. The wide body was because a it had to fit the much bigger meats in the back, but b it had to allow the air intake. For the 500 cube Cadillac V8 that was powering the sucker, it was a really well finished van. It was painted black on the bottom and red on top, had big fat meats, and it had a personalized emblem made for the back in chrome that said Rocket Box. That I would chase for a shitload more. <laughs> and I, I would. And too. it sold for like 40 grand. <laughs> but like, oh my God. Yeah. But like something like that is a one of one. They're, try- they're playing on a symbolite. Assembly lining these things and give them yeah. a 200 mile range. You have a big vehicle, you have plenty of battery room. 
Why am I paying one hundred sixty thousand dollars for two hundred miles range? Yeah, yeah two hundred is going to get. Go you by are quick, not their it? target customer. You see, that's why we talk to like uh, Rick Hunter <laughs> well, I mean, over at Hot Rod Express. I would try to find uh, somebody yeah. somewhat nearby to pull something like this because, with all due respect to these people trying to put this together, you know, hey, yay on you! But we're going to do an assembly. We're going to do it faster and still charge you. Right yeah, up the well, wazoo. they they no. they still think, uh, and it it may happen. They still think that pushing the EV idea is worthwhile, and that's fine. And for some people, it is worthwhile, but I don't think it's the end-all, be-all of everything. I think there's still a lot of hurdles to cross before EVs are a viable solution to eliminate fossil fuel vehicles, period. Well, I'm not anti-EVs, but I can buy a Tesla with 400-plus mile range now for a third of that. Yeah, that, that's the, the oh, problem there. there it won't that. be a classic. It won't be a classic, I, though. Yeah, that's what you're paying microbus. for. Yeah, I think you're, you you're should paying get... for a 69 Camaro. You're paying for an original Bronco. I can buy you're a 69 Camaro body, fresh press for $30,000. From, well, Di- from Dynacorn. Yeah. yeah. Well, these are, the these are restored, though. These are full restored and all nice and pretty. Yeah, but you lose your value because you're electrifying them. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, like you're not getting I, that I don't know. If Robert Downey Jr. signs them, I don't know. maybe they get a dash plaque. Ah. Maybe it's made of iron. And here's the, here's the wild thing. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is a car guy, yeah. but he has said more than once he's no longer interested in buying stuff that's powered by gasoline. He's converting to EV. Mm-hmm. And his motivation for doing that, whatever it is, that's his, and that's fine. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be out buying cars predicated on what somebody else thinks. I certainly don't. I go buy gas guzzling old Corvettes that smell like, you know, they have great exhaust smells and that's what I like and they make me deaf and you know, they're tough <laughs> on your back and everything else, but they're still cool. I, tra- I travel too much. I go too many places in this world. The EVs just, I don't care if it is a Tesla. It's, it's, Dude, it's, you're so work. far away from being anything EV compatible. You've got the the storyteller, earth stomping, freaking sprinter van with everything inside period uh you you may as well point it paint urban assault vehicle up the side of the sucker (laughs) yeah it's awesome yeah hey uh, stickers yesterday it was the (laughs) it was an ideal mobile base of commands for the great car show oh absolutely it was fantastic you just pull up and set up your your easy up and you're done yeah giving you crap about it right now is by choice only (laughs) yeah well we're gonna give you no other reason to do it other than the my lack of you know caring and personality we're gonna give you crap about it because it would cost (laughs) as much as a little house but wow it's cool to drive it's so cool i I wouldn't be upset if it was a hybrid per se because maybe it proved gas mileage on that thing not true. Uh, but anything. I don't know that it would prove it much over with the diesel it, already is. I, I'm wondering if yeah. hybrid in your mind uh, is gas diesel. and diesel. <laughs> <laughs> but that way I can still fuel and go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Haggerty, five reasons to own duplicate tools. They're all on my left hand. <laughs> tools are addictive to most folks. You want tools that work without causing you stress or damaging what you're working on. So sometimes that means making things work in ways they may or may not have been designed. Uh, I may or may not have used I can't tell you how many flathead screwdrivers as pry bars. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait a minute. You What's know a what flathead you're screwdriver? For... <laughs> I just <laughs> have these little pro- pry bars. Is that what you're talking about? You know, yeah, the craftsman pry bars. You know what you're getting for Christmas, don't you? <laughs> Not jack crap, buddy. Uh, you're getting a pry bar, mister. <laughs> pry bar. Uh, on the surface, having doubles seems wasteful. Good tools aren't cheap, and buying twice prevents spending money on things like parts or materials. Here are five reasons, five of them. To uh, justify owning a pair of any given tool. I got a couple. 
Uh, your road trip toolkit. That's one of them. I have a road trip toolkit. I, I uh, literally put a kit together specifically just for the van. When I when I had my motorcycles, I had one uh, that went in the, uh, the the bags. Yeah, yeah. On mm-hmm. motorcycles. Yeah. Uh, number two, out with the old and in with the new. If you want mm. new tools, I, I've got uh, a number of my dad's old ones. Uh, when my mom passed, I got the the big toolbox full of stuff. There was that one. Remember that tool I I took pictures of and put out because it, it had warnings about how it has you know uh, uh, radioactive materials in it. I don't know yes. what the hell it was. My dad used to work for Lockheed <laughs> and McDonnell Douglas. Uh, cool. He was a sheet metal worker, and I don't know what that thing's for. So when you open the tool, this big toolbox thing you got from when you open it up, did it, you realize that hey wow it's so light in here I forgot to turn the light on the garage. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, he tied, he tied it to the neighbor's dog, and now it's got mange. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, if if you want, you know, new things and new pieces, and especially stuff that's not rusty, uh, you can uh, you can put it on this and have Why your extras. Are your tools rusty, Mark. I well, may some, or may not have gotten them wet sometimes or not. With my own damn tears, <laughs> my salty, hate-filled that's, tears. That's that hate, hate. They, they, they rusted instantly as you cried on them. Stainless steel, watch me. <laughs> uh, number three, you're going to lose one. Just, that's the truth. Yes. And my dad, no, I, I don't know where half yeah. of his went. There are so many spots in, uh, in his uh, sockets. I, that... Insert your 10-millimeter socket joke here. <laughs> I, I actually can't stand not having... Uh, a socket or a wrench that I'm, I'm missing one that that pisses me off actually yeah it's kind of annoying it's like because yeah. that is going to be the one you're going to find some bolt on the bottom that's like oh my god that well was now it. i know how to yeah. get to him well that's well then some of these too it's it's kind of like oh, i can't get this no more so now i gotta buy another set uh number four it allows friends to work too which has worked with my son he's helped me a couple yeah. of times on uh, vehicles and yeah. when i've had the doubles uh, he probably learned some new words too you know, uh, considering his friend, his circle of friends in high school, no, 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 no. he already heard them. He taught yeah. them to you. He just taught me the cool ones. Yeah. <laughs> and then number five, you can modify one. I've known people to do that. I haven't done it, but I've known people to do that. I, I have ones that I've modified by twisting too hard. Now they've got a bend to them they didn't have before. It was my dad's way. <laughs> I swear to God, if that man couldn't get a bolt off, he'd just twist the head off of anything. There you go. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So, a- anger cures all. I I have at least three fil- or flathead screwdrivers out in my garage that come down, and then they've got a little twist toward the end. Because <laughs> God damn it, 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 helps, it helps with the torque. Yeah. yeah. If you twist hard, it doesn't work. Twist harder. Well, I know people that they couldn't get a wrench in somewhere, and they literally they just, they went to the the bench, they put it in the vice. They heated the damn thing up and bent it, and well, then and, boom, they can get in there. And one of the oh, things nice. I didn't note, this article from Haggerty is from our friend Kyle Smith, and he did mention in the article he has one wrench that he's put a 90-degree bend in because it's to adjust the transmission mounts in his Corvair. Nice. Hmm. And he says, listen, I don't ever have to go look for the specialized tool or anything. I got one wrench that does this job. One wrench to rule the and world. And that was one of the ones that he pointed out. So, yeah, I get that. Well, you know, when I was working on the uh, the Nissan before I had it dragged to the uh, to the shop, and I didn't get the keys for I was, it today. I, I, I was kind of hoping it would burst into flames and you could collect on it. <laughs> no, not that lucky. But uh, I, I bought one of those um, little things you put on the end of your ratchet thing that makes it to where you can go at different angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was really useful. Had to have that when I, I did my distributor. Universal joint type thing. That's the one. Mm-hmm. That's the ticket. So You've you, got the you, words. You know, the the, the MVP about. of that particular job was that tool. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and I didn't have to weld jack. 
It is. <laughs> I went what did Jack do that needed welding? Thank, thank God. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only ratchet with a, a hole burnt through it. How the yeah. hell did he do it? Skill. Bitch. You. Lots and lots of stuff. Where's your dad? Burning holes and stuff. <laughs> Can't you hear him cussing? <laughs> That's me. You know, you ought to take a class and have somebody teach you how to weld, really. I really, uh, I ought to. Just, uh, just, even if you don't have to weld anything ever again in life, because at least you could check that off and say, I don't have to burn holes and stuff. Yeah, I know but you know, like the continuing education class I took? Stone carving. Oh, Really? Because <laughs> I'm stupid. Did you really take a stone carving one? Yeah, it was actually really cool, but it will make your hands go numb. That pneumatic tool that uh, just uh, the basic uh, handheld jackhammer, <laughs> yeah. you use that thing long enough to carve a Buddha out of a piece of limestone, and your your wrists don't work anymore. And two days later, you're... You're trying to, you know, write radio commercials on a keyboard? No, you're not. not. No, you're, you're thinking them into the damn computer because otherwise well, it just hurts. Wow, that that is a good skill to have if you were living in the Flintstone era. I, I, I always <laughs> used a uh, handheld jackhammer to refer to something else. Hey, now. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I got in the way of that, too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Road and Track. You know, what, you know what's really cool about Road and Track? If you take the letters and you spell them backwards and might rearrange a few things, it says deep pocket of Brett Hatfield. Mm -hmm. It's weird, but true. Thank you, Jack Leg. You're welcome. (laughs) A viral dealership video shows monthly car payments are out of control. Out of control! No. The the hands here, who who all has a car payment? I got one. Nope. I got got one. That's why I buy buy and drive crap boxes. Okay. Okay. The reason you've seen the same many for the last seven years. Well, I didn't have one until (laughs) March, and now I have one. Yeah. But you you know why. Two things about Ped's Mini. One, it has brake dust stains so bad on one wheel, they just won't come off. No, they won't. Oh, I thought that was the color of the wheel. No, no. It it, 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 (laughs) ate the finish off of it. And two, I was fishing around on tire rack here a few weeks ago looking at custom wheels for stuff because i thought i was going to swap out the wheels on the corvette and as a goof i looked at custom wheels for uh minis for Mm -hmm. mini coopers you know they make one that looks like a teddy bear yeah they make one that looks like it's a silver teddy bear holding a heart i need this I, I would, and they have it in they have it in white too. So I thought that would be especially good for you. Mm. <laughs> Black probably be best with guess the right dust. Guess what you're going to look on your car when you walk out on April first next year? Huh? Uh-huh. So we've nice. established for Christmas, Mark's getting a pry bar, and Ted's getting some bear wheels. <laughs> Deal. Jeez, List done. I wonder, wonder what I can pull out here. Well, let's find out. Uh, in a TikTok video <laughs> uploaded from Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Surprise, Arizona. Surprise! A sh- surprise! A strange bragging contest takes place. The dealership employees are bragging about the monthly payments of their vehicles. Uh, dude, I'm sorry. Unless it's like a lower, guys... I would brag if it was like, oh, mine's only $200 a month. <laughs> no. But no. no they sound yeah. like mortgages. That's not, and that's not how Actually, a I've lot never of even, car never, salesmen work. There's, you know, yeah. there are good car it's, salesmen it's out there. It's not even salesmen. It's just like dealership personnel. Yeah, you but, know, my, my mortgages are actually cheaper than these payments do. Actually, <laughs> so the first large payment is for a, okay, a 2022 Ford Raptor. It's it's new. It's 22. It's probably going to be expensive anyways. Seventy two thousand three hundred fifty uh, MSRP, including destination, on which a dealer employee pays. $1,325 a month. My God. 1300 bucks for a car payment. For for a truck that everybody thinks are fast as heck and they're really not. 
uh, <laughs> no, but they have but, good suspension on them, and, and they eat gas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the same employee also, also same employee who's gotten more than one car payment also pays a thousand dollars a month for an expedition. How much does this sucker make? Oh my God, he must at be at least. Just- He's living in that expedition. Another dealer uh, employee shares the same monthly payment on their 2022 Jeep Grand Wagoneer Series 3, which totals uh, uh, $1,386. Yes. Gee, man. The range topping uh, Wagoneer carries a starting price of about $110,000. Do you think this is one of those seven or ten year? Uh, leases? It's got to be. Or, uh, oh, no, plans. I'd run it out a hell of a lot longer than that. Well, if, if he's got a $110,000 vehicle, I would imagine that's probably well, at least a seven-year term with, with, a, with a down payment. But wait. Or they trade in or something. There's like more. That. Oh, yeah, there's more. Uh, things, uh, <laughs> they don't get any better as we move to the truck owners here. Um, one employee currently pays $1,445 a month for a 22 GMC Sierra 2500 Denali. I'm pretty sure you can get a nice three. Which that's bedroom. a base price of over seventy-two thousand. Uh, the the Denali owner also owns a Cadillac CTSV. Of course, got a little bit of taste there. A wide body kit installed. Oh yeah, I want to see a picture of this bad boy. Uh, and they're paying eleven hundred dollars for that. Yeah, but they quit making the CTSV in two thousand nineteen. Which means this is not a brand new vehicle. God, so he's maybe it was when they first got he's it. Been paying that for two well, years. Yeah, he's yeah. been paying it for a couple of years. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> you know. Fourteen forty-five a month. Only five more years. To mm. We live in a pretty nice part of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you can go down the street here and get a decent apartment, two bedroom, maybe three bedroom, for under fourteen forty-five a month. Oh yeah, mm. no you can't. You can't. No. Okay. Not, well, you've, not a good neighborhood. They've actually gone up a lot. <laughs> okay, you've looked. I haven't. But, I've been in this house forever. You, yeah. could, you could get a couple for around that price, maybe. Not in a good neighborhood. Good building, good neighborhood. You're looking at eighteen, nineteen, two thousand. Is it really that steep? Yeah. Oh my wow. God! Get off They're going up everywhere. <laughs> Be tough to do with a fifteen hundred dollar car payment. It would, wouldn't it? You know. You know. I drove a Hence car for him. Hence why I drive a. Have it. Yeah. Hence why I once again drive a mini mm-hmm. <laughs> that you've had as long as I've known you, and it was pretty worn out looking then. Now, okay, this is this does give me a little bit of shade and Freud though, because it's the dealers. Uh, employees who are paying these stupid ass prices and, and and hold on and bragging about them in TikTok videos. Jimmy, I mean that would be the Which, price anyone would pay. I mean, if they wanted those vehicles. Oh sure, unless yeah, they yeah. paid cash. I'd, I'd be mean, I'd be all over that. No, I, I, I guess I just don't understand the the, the point of the, the brag of it because I just wouldn't really want to tell anybody how much hey, I was paying. I'm, I was I'm paying really that trying much. to get my head around a Grand Wagoneer that's a hundred ten. Have you that's seen them? Base. Yeah, that's that's what they are. I don't care. They're they're, they're, they're <laughs> Range Rover nice on the inside. I don't care. I really I'd buy don't. A Range Rover. That that thing. But they're more money. Oh, really? That thing's more than forty thousand dollars than I paid for the '65 Corvette. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. No, it don't. But it's. But new. of course, it's I drive a nineteen-year-old F one fifty. It's also bigger than a Grand Cherokee, so it's got a third row. It's, oh, it's huge. Just screw it's, every... it's about the best thing that's ever come out of the Chrysler family when it comes to just screw luxury. every bit of that noise, all of it. And <laughs> so, of so it. let's rewind a little bit. A hundred seventy thousand dollar EV that goes two hundred miles makes sense, but one hundred ten thousand you can put all six of your kids in doesn't. No, neither of those make sense. Dude, both, I didn't say the first one made sense. I don't know who you were listening to, but it was not me squawking no, over man. here like an old man. I don't They're pay that much bullshit. money for vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. You bought, you just bought a used 
Nissan Xterra. Yeah, 85,000 miles, five-speed, four-by-four. Red, yep. kind of cute. Yep. Ne- needs like a little, him. but not a ton. I'm yeah. actually upset that he stopped making it. perfectly them. usable, and you can throw a kayak on top and go do yep. your thing, yep. which mm-hmm. you often do. And you gave how much for that? 62 $62. So, $62. No, no, no. how okay. many months at fourteen forty-five does it take to get you to 6200 bucks? Less than five. Uh, not, not, yeah, not, yeah. Not, under not, five. Not long. Under five. Let's see. How long could you finance that for under a hundred dollars? So how you think? How many well, times? The banks won't even do it. They won't finance it. Yeah, you know? no crap. You'd have to take a little personal, uh, like a Mastercard but loan. But before we before we go too far down this uh-huh. road, yeah. aside from your urban assault vehicle, Corey, which is a the van is stud. It flat is. It was really expensive, but it's very cool. Yeah. You have an old Jeep. Which, we I, which ju- I did buy mm-hmm. brand new, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, 22 a, years I a, ago. <laughs> right, I got a 2000 Wrangler, right? You got an old Jeep. Mm-hmm. You've got a Porsche Cayman, but it's a, it's a 2006? Eight. 2008. 2008 Cayman S. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, your bride, does she drive the Golf? Yes, she's got the... Uh, 2019 Golf GTI. Okay, so the, the Golf's fairly new. Yes. But it was we got it, it was not $110,000, I'm pretty sure. Nope, nope, nope. Pet, and su- surprisingly, outside of the van, it's the most expensive vehicle we've actually ever bought between the two of us. <laughs> Ped, what, what year is your Mini? 06, last year of the Supercharger. Okay, so is it supercharged? Yep. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. 16-year-old Mini. Uh-huh. And uh, a 2012 uh, Subaru Impreza. Okay, and that's your wife. So, and, uh, 16 year old and a 10 year old Impreza. 1985 Ford F-150. Oh, nice. Okay. And technically, I still own an 86 Jaguar XJS, but Where, it's, it's more of a cube than anything. But you can't so. find it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. And wait, wait, wait. You have an Aww. you have a a rather aged Volvo as well. No, I sold that. Oh, did you really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, I, I could never find time to work on the restoration, so but I sold it to someone. It that was would. a nineteen. 19- 64 PV 544. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. That looked a, a lot like a 42 Chevy. Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, point being, you go around this table, with the exception of Corey's Corey. house on wheels, his four-wheel drive Sprinter, we all drive pretty old cars. The, yeah. the newest car in my fleet is my wife's 10-year-old Cayenne, and it wasn't the super-duper bad boy. It's the V6. And you know, my truck's 19 years old, and I don't know what it's worth because it doesn't matter. I'm not getting rid of it. And then two old Corvettes. Hell, my motorcycle's, what, 26 years old. Yeah. I I won't buy a new car because of this. <laughs> you mean you don't want to pay $70,000 worth of markup oh, no. on a $54,000 car? Have you no, seen I'm, the uh, Nis- new Nissan Z uh, ad that? The yeah, yeah. It, it, but, but the whole point is, every one of these looks like you know these people probably gave up a kidney for a down payment, and now they're paying out their eyeballs for years. <laughs> and a left lung. Uh, I'm just thinking. So this this Denali payment of fourteen forty five. I'm just thinking. Uh, just... So when I bought my Jeep new back in two thousand, okay. Uh, <laughs> when I bought my Porsche a couple years ago, uh, and when we got the Golf when it was new. If I add all three of those car payments together, it does Still not equal come fourteen forty-five. Yeah. It's yeah. close. It's real. It's close. Okay, but we're talking three so, so vehicles. This, two of them were new at the time. I'll take this step further. F- further, if all the cars I've ever had a loan against, if I added up 
their monthly, like individual monthly payments. Probably still doesn't get to the fourteen. I'm not at fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> oh my god. I'm I'm trying to remember the most expensive car payment I ever had, and I think it was around five hundred. It was a little over five hundred dollars a month, and it was on a two thousand two Ford F two fifty Super Duty Crew Cab four wheel drive. Oh my goodness! Diesel. Yeah, my mine was three fifty, and that was on my E five hundred. Oh, that was cheaper than a penis replacement. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was that my outside voice? Uh, uh, thank apo- you very little. I'd it like also, to apologize. Yeah, it, <laughs> was said out loud. it also hauled a crap load of tools. Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I did. plans and had a computer. Did you find different I had a laptop ones? and nice. a printer in it when that was still pretty rare. And, and that I was like, just in the glove compartment. Yeah, and I could have, I would have been just fine in the F-150 that, that I sold number to six. Oh, you're not wrong. <sighs> Why? Because he can carry a crap ton, so buy more tools. Now, buy okay, yeah, yeah, all tools. of that being said, Clint Eastwood, <laughs> uh, before people have to get off your lawn, if you had the spending change and a brand new Corvette, you found it at actual list price, not at jacked up at the dealership price. Let's say we uh, we talked about it what, a couple weeks ago. Comes mm-hmm. in at a buck twenty for just one of those screaming death murder love machines. Mm-hmm. Would you? No. Really? No. <gasps> no. Mm-hmm. If I had the jack for it, I'd go look for a 1970 LT1 convertible. Fair. Mm-hmm. All right, I I'm a bit surprised by that, but all no. right then. And, and I could buy bit, I could bit. buy the LT one for half to a third, and be pretty well guaranteed I'd get my money back anytime I wanted to get rid of it. Nice. Can you buy an LT one for forty k. No, not a convertible. Okay. And if you if you had to get one, it'd, it'd be a seventy two. It'd be the final year low horsepower, and it'd probably have AC on it. Oh. Okay. Well, then you could get electrified over at that place, and yeah, then it'd be cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather away. You, I'd you rather can't get your shins. Rinse, <laughs> I, uh, electrified Corvette. I'd rather rinse my mouth out with a forty-five. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. We'll be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> Just took a straight. Oh, fantastical! You know, our special guest this week is Tim McGrain, CEO uh, of the M1 Concourse in Pontiac, Michigan. Tim's going to be here to tell us about the M1 Concourse, this year's Woodward Dream Festival. All this and much more is coming up next on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio. Our special guest this week is Tim McGrain, originally from England. Tim now calls Detroit home. He is CEO of M1 Concourse in Pontiac, Michigan, where he oversees the Motorsports Club, on-track events, and the Woodward Dream Festival, the American Speed Festival, and Motorbella, a reimagined North American International Auto Show that's coming up September 23rd through the 26th. Tim has served as CEO of the Sports Car Association of Monterey Peninsula, managed the Porsche Rennsport Reunion 4, the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion, and the return of the IndyCar Series. Tim has also served as the executive director of the Black Hawk Automotive Museum. Tim, you've been a busy gentleman. Welcome to Driven Radio. Gentlemen, thank you. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. That's quite the resume, sir. Uh, how early did you know you were a car guy? And, and to that end, who or what influenced you? Were you uh, what were your early loves? Well, I, I 
I actually have uh, a picture of me on my fifth birthday, and my parents had bought me a pedal car. Um, it's called an Austin J40. Um, it's actually the pedal car that most people know now as being used during the Goodwood Revival when they have the pedal car races down yes. the straight. Mm-hmm. Um, so b- based on the fact that I got that at five, and, and it was certainly a significant purchase by my parents, I, I must have been into cars then, otherwise they probably would be, have a picture of me with a, with a cricket bat or a football or a fishing <laughs> rod. Is there, and you are British, uh, so I'm, is, I'm curious, is there a difference in car culture between the UK and the US and who are the more rabid enthusiasts? Being from England, I, I don't think the word rabid would be applicable to anybody. It doesn't matter how enthusiastic they are about cars. Um, you know, there was a lot of commonality on the passion of cars, um, uh, but there certainly are some differences. You know, in, in the States, you know, you have such a, a broad selection of cars that were built, whether you go back to, you know, pre-war, immediate post-war classics, um, then you get into the 50s and 60s um, and, and all other cars. Um, whereas in England, there's, there's certainly a, um, a passion for sort of some of the, the, the quirkier uh, sort of, you know, British car industry, cottage industry cars, you know, uh, Invictors, Gordon Keebles, Bristols, things like that. Um, so, you know, I think the passion is there. It's probably a little bit more conservative. Now, when you get into the world of, of hot rods, muscle cars, and American cars. I grew up with some friends, and uh, we all had passion for American cars and hot rods. And some of them would go over to the Air Force bases in Europe um, and buy them, uh, you know, from the bases for those chaps, you know, returning. Um, so we, we drove, you know, American cars in England, which wasn't practical because you know the roads in England are the, the width of a postage stamp, um, yeah. and gas even back in those days was five or six dollars a gallon. Um, but but that didn't that didn't stop us from. Uh, um, sort of having that passion for cars. So I think in the hot rod muscle car world and America world, it's common both sides. Um, but, but then there are some similarities and, and certainly some differences. I think a lot of Americans don't realize how much smaller many of the European cars are. And one of the things that really puts a fine point on it is watching the early 60s Ford Galaxies racing at the Goodwood Revival against all the uh, Lotus Cortinas and, and other small cars, and you look at it, you think, oh my God, look how big that Ford is. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, pretty, and when they're racing against you, Minis or Austin A35s where you can you know, almost put the car in the trunk of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. But, you know, it's a case where the Galaxy was good down the straights, but, you know, the, the smaller European cars, you know, would, would make it on the, on the turns. And I think that's, that's the difference with driving even today in, in Europe, especially England. You know, I've always lived in the countryside. I grew up in southeast England. So when, when we go back, and especially when my kids are younger, you know, driving around the country roads, in England with a, with a manual shift, you know, it is a lot of fun. There's no such thing as sort of a straight road, whereas out here it's it's all, you know, straight and 90-degree angles for the most part. Yeah, it is. Do you ever get back to the U.K. for events? Uh, yes. Um, actually, from the, from the time I came out here in the 80s up to uh, the sort of the, the pandemic year, I'd be very fortunate to go back uh, at least once and sometimes three or four times a year. Um, you know, the Goodwood uh, events were ones that um, are, are always a reason to go back for. Uh, I went to the early revival events um, and got hooked on those. 
And then a friend, excuse me, I went to the Festival of Speed events and got hooked on those. They started first. And then a friend already said, you should go to the Revival um, and, and went there. And that's a completely different uh, Goodwood experience. Um, I was involved with the uh, uh, Monaco Historic Races for a number of years. Um, and just recently, a couple of years ago, went back to the Silverstone Classic. And, and whenever we go back, um, there always seems to be sort of a, a car event nearby, whether planned or just coincidence. I think my wife thinks it's sort of a conspiracy. <laughs> well, don't tell her do. that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, she is extremely understanding, very supportive, and actually enjoys the world. So, Oh, nice. Very cool. Uh, yeah. you, you've had a number of really intriguing and, and cool-sounding jobs uh, in the enthusiast and collector car world. How did you get started? It came out... Um, I mean, I was passionate about cars, as I said. I actually came out to the States of California in 1981 on, on vacation after I finished college with a friend of mine. Um, and, and flying back, I just had that feeling, I've I got to give that a try. Um, but knew as soon as I got home, my friends would say, yeah, we all feel that. And then you get back in the same old rut. Uh, but I'd met some, a British couple and uh, kept in touch with them. So between October of 81... Um, when I got on a plane in the middle of February 82, um, you know, I sort of, you know, planned on coming back. So I made the decision to go to Palm Springs. That's where we went on vacation. Um, probably not the wisest decision at the time. I had a newly minted mechanical and chemical engineering degree, and, and I didn't play golf. Um, so, so I was really a, a fish out of water in Palm Springs. But, um, you know, two and a half weeks when you're on vacation chasing girls, that was the place to be. Not bad. Anyway, got there. I got into the hospitality business, worked for a prominent uh, gen gentleman, um, and got involved with the Pumpsons Chamber of Commerce. And a group of us were trying to work out an event to do that would help drive business. The season in that part of the world is Thanksgiving through sort of Easter weekend. Um, and at some point, we came up and go, well, you know, we all like cars, and they used to be racing in Palm Springs. You know, why don't we do a vintage race here? You know, there's... Those infamous last words, how difficult could it be? <laughs> um, so we, at that time, there was really only two major events. There was the Monterey uh, Historics, um, and then there was an event in uh, at Elkhart Lake, Road America, called Chicago Historics. So a couple of us went up to, to Monterey, and a couple of people went to, to Historics. And um, I don't know what we thought we were going to see other than cars, but we came away thinking we could pull this off. And we went to the mayor, we put together... It really basically what turned out to be a, a rectangular track on city streets with two chicanes. Um, and, and it was successful. Um, and, and people showed up. From, and when I say people showed up, you know, Phil Hill came down and ran a, Ooh, uh, you know, wow. a Talbot Labo Grand Prix car. Dan Gurney ran one of his Eagle. This is the middle of the 80s. Uh, Dan Gurney came down and ran his Eagle F1 car. You know, Carol Shelby showed up. Sterling Moss was there. Oh um, so we knew we had something successful, but we also knew it was more than a volunteer committee at the Chamber of Commerce. So we reached out to Chris Pook, who had started the Long Beach Grand Prix and was still the promoter. And he came in as the promoter. Uh, one of the things he did was brought in an auction company uh, to add a revenue stream to the event. Uh, the company was based in Southern California called Red Coal Auctions, mm -hmm. who at the time was very prominent in the sports and race car world and actually was the company that started the first auctions in Monterey. And uh, I got connected with Rick, and with a short period of time, he offered me a job, and that got me into the, the classic car auction world. I'm assuming that's why you have a poster behind you of that. <laughs> Actually, you know, that is, so I have had, that was in 1989, um, and I've had that poster since 1989, and I got it framed about 
two months ago. Um, we, did a <laughs> we did a series post. We did one in Palm Springs when we did the races at an auction. We did the Monterey one, and I lived in Palm Springs, so I had that frame for many years. The Monterey auction I'd been involved with for a long time, and I lived in Monterey, so I had that frame. Uh, but, but this poster had sat in a tube for a long time uh, until moving to Detroit. So we did an auction in June of 89. Actually, we did two. We did one in February with Autorama, which was the big hot rod show here. Uh, Rick was very good friends with Bob Larravee. And then we came back in June and did one tied in with the Grand Prix. And that was the first year that, that IndyCar had, uh, was downtown streets. So it's going to be interesting to see the IndyCars return to downtown streets this uh, next year. Oh, nice. Wow. Very, very so well cool. spotting. Yeah. <laughs> For the uninitiated, please tell us about uh, M1 Concourse in Michigan. Uh, what so, and what makes M1 so unique? Okay, so we are we are eighty seven acre property. Um, we we class ourselves as a sort of a motorsports community and entertainment venue. We have two hundred and fifty five privately owned garage condos. Um, we have a one and a half mile eleven turn high performance driving experience track. It's not a race track. We don't do wheel to wheel races here. Uh, so we do uh, a lot of you know test driving and track days. Uh, we have a brand new event center uh, to just under thirty thousand square feet. We've got some other developments coming. Um, we do at the moment two signature events: the Woodward Dream Show in August, tied in with Dream Cruise, and our, our flagship event, the American Speed Festival, the first weekend in October. Um, and then a number of other events. We have a lot of corporate rentals, uh, private rentals. We actually had a Ferrari dealer here today doing a, a, a customer appreciation event with a number of Ferraris. So um, we've the property opened six years ago, um, but this piece of property, which is referred to as the triangle, uh, somewhat because of its configuration, uh, has actually had a long history in, in the world of motor vehicle production. Uh, the north part of our property, uh, which, is, which is where my office is on a property, is on Rapid Street. Um, and that was the name of the very first company called Rapid Motor Vehicle Company that started be, building vehicles here in 1905. Um, in 1909, General Motors bought the company. They were they were the the, the largest uh, truck producing company in the world at the time, and General Motors bought them, and it became what we now know as as GMC. And then this property has been a GMC property up through the time in 2008, where uh, obviously General Motors went through some financial challenges, and this was one of the properties that they abandoned. And it was it tailor made for this. It sounds. Well, yes and no. I didn't live in Detroit at the time, but um, from when General Motors left it and the buildings were knocked down, from, from, from what I've heard, it was a, a very unattractive property for many reasons. <laughs> um, one, it had been a, a motor vehicle production plant or property for you know, over 100 years. Um, also, a big foundry was here. Um, so, so there was some, you know, potential environmental concerns. Okay. Um, it's also on the edge of the city of Pontiac, and Pontiac, uh, with General Motors' sort of demise, had gone through a rapid downturn. Um, so there, there was every reason to think that the, the, the people doing this project were, were probably, you know, out of their mind. I mean, I, I certainly <laughs> had you know, some people. Actually, I was at an, a, a, a Shelby Club meeting this afternoon promoting our Speed Festival event. And one of the gentlemen said, I, I saw them when they were first promoting them. And, and I said, are you guys crazy? Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, you know, there was, uh, but we are unusual. So in, in the racetrack world, the biggest challenge we have is, is noise. 
um, yeah. you know, whether you're a professional track mm-hmm. like Laguna Seca or Road America or Road Atlanta, or you're one of the, the quote private uh, tracks like us, uh, Thermal in the Palm Springs area or Apex outside Phoenix, um, the biggest challenge you have is is, is noise or sound as, as we call it. Um, not everybody loves the, 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 the noise, the sound of a race car. So yeah. we, we are a very rare breed. We, we fall under the category of a suburban racetrack, um, you know, which has been very beneficial. Uh, as much as 87 acres is a large piece of property, when you're in the racetrack world, it's compact or it's intimate. Yeah. And uh, you know, my point of reference is Laguna Seca sits on 550 acres. So, and it's not, we're not going to change the size. I, I remember when I got here, I thought, well, let's take a look at the property, you know, around us. The, it, we've been this shape for 120 years and it's not changing. We've got four <laughs> roads from the Canadian National Railroad uh, that aren't moving because we want to get bigger. So we are the size we are. You mentioned the Woodward Dream Show and that's just wrapped up. Uh, what was on tap this year and how did things go? So it went very well, and if you're in the outdoor event business, you know, Mother Nature uh, pretty much dictates, you know, that part of it. Yeah. Uh, Weather was glorious. So we do a Woodward Dream Show on the Friday, um, and the cruise is on this, formally on the Saturday, although uh, the cruising actually starts about two or three weeks before Woodward Dream Cruise Saturday. Okay. So on the Friday, what we did is, um, you know, we had, you know, in excess of 600 cars, entered for our car show in a number of different classes. Uh, but this year we featured three particular cars. It's 90 years of the 32 Ford, so the iconic Deuce, which, which certainly when you talk of sort of customs and hot rods, you know, that, that is, a, a, you know, America's hot rod. So we recognized the 32 Deuce and had uh, over 50 wonderful examples of those on display. Uh, it's 100 years of the Lincoln brand. Um, so, you know, the mid-60s Continentals, um, you know, which obviously appeal to a lot of people, you know, doing resto mods. Um, and Adam Janai, who has Mob Steel here in Detroit, you know, brought out two of his brand new creations, an unveiled one. And then because we're in the city of Pontiac, we always try to tie into, you know, one of the Pontiac brands. And it happened to be 55 years of the Firebird. So we had a great lineup of all the generations of Firebirds. Nice. You also mentioned the American Speed Festival is coming soon. I think you said first weekend in October, didn't you? Yes, that's correct. Uh, you're going to have one of our favorite guests on. You're going to have Peter Brock there. And we we loved when we've been able to have him on the show. What is the American Speed Festival, and what do you have in store for your attendees? So uh, the event is over four days, Thursday through Sunday. The first day is, is actually mostly an off-property event. We do a driving tour. Mm-hmm. We leave M1 in the morning, um, and, and we, we create different driving routes you know, throughout southeast Michigan. Well, actually, the, the lunchtime stop will be a visit to the Stoll's Museum, um, you know, which for those people who haven't been there, it, 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 it's wonderful. I mean, they've not only they've got a great selection of, of really diverse and intriguing cars, um, but Ted Stoll is into musical instruments. And I'm not talking about guitars and, and, and trombones. I'm talking about those, those big old theater-style ones that are three stories tall and, and half a block wide. Um, so it, it's wonderful to be there. So that's Thursday. Thursday evening, we have an event we call Motor Grill um, at, at uh, back at our event center. On Friday and Saturday, we do on-track events. Uh, again, as I mentioned, we don't do wheel-to-wheel racing. 
So there are either timed runs or demonstration runs. Um, and what that allows us to do is to get a, a cross-section of, of historic cars that you may not see on a track because they wouldn't be put under racing conditions, either because of their, their, their age you know, or nowadays their value. So you know, last year, uh, we honored Jim Hall and the Chaparrales. We had four of the Chaparrales here. Um, and it's probably been back since 2004, since the last time more than one of the Chaparrales have been out on a track at any one time. Oh, that's cool. So we have a, a number of classes. We have the, the Vintage Indie Registry, bring out a number of their members. So there'll be a lot of Vintage Indie cars from, you know, we've got some some early roadsters, uh, a lot of ones from the 60s, like, you know, the I. The, the great Lotus, the STP Lotus turbine car, oh, you know, cool. which is wonderful mm-hmm. to see and hear. Um, and then the number of seven to vintage Indy cars. Uh, because it's it's uh, 60 years of Shelby, we've got a Cobra class and a Shelby class. Um, uh, we do, uh, and we're also recognizing 75 years of Ferrari. Uh, so we've got a Ferrari class, uh, supercar and exotic class. Um, and then we always have a class for sort of catch-all. Like last year, the Henry Ford Museum you know, brought out their, their early 1901 sweepstakes car. Um, well, we didn't have any other sweepstakes cars from the early 1900s. So rather than have a one-car class, we always we always put together sort of a class of, of really unusual cars. Um, so that's for Friday and Saturday. Saturday evening, we do our charity fundraiser event called Checker Flag Ball. Um, and that raises funds for a program called M1 Mobility, uh, which our, our owners founded a couple of years ago uh, to raise funds to provide transportation uh, for those residents that need to get to essential services within the city of Pontiac. Um, and then on Sunday, we don't do live track action. What we do is call our speed and style show. So the competition cars that are on the track will be part of the show, uh, but then we invite a number of cars, whether it's pre-war or post-war classics, 50s and 60s, whether it's American cars or European sports cars and late models, and just uh, a big car show outside. Uh, we've got a new automotive art expo we're doing inside our event center. Uh, we're going to have a couple of, of uh, uh, fireside chats for better description with David Hobbs, who's RMC that's coming in, and Peter. So on Saturday, they'll talk about Peter's years with Shelby. And then on Sunday, they'll talk about Peter's years with, with GM and the Corvette design, and then his later years with BRE. <clears throat> you have so much going on. How do you keep it all straight? <laughs> well, we, we got a, we got a small team here, but we've got a good team here, and um, you know, it's it's still a new project. You know, when we first opened, it was very much private garages and, and in essence, a private track. And, and now we've transitioned with all the garages being sold to their new owners. Now our identity changing, our business focus is changing, and it's the event center putting on corporate events, private events, um, doing our own signature events. Um, so uh, it, it is, you know, it's important. And of course, for, the, you know, for a couple of years, uh, none of us were able to do anything. So the ability to you know get our new event center up and going and get the facility um, you know sort of up, up to speed and, and, the, and the business uh, flourishing uh, is good. So busy is good. And uh, having spent forty years on the West Coast, I'm, I'm still understanding the whole dynamic of Midwest winters. So <laughs> now I want to make sure. Earlier you had mentioned that uh, the spaces that were available are condos. But here in the Midwest, condo is kind of like, well, I got a bedroom and a bar, and I got me a cool place. What is, what is a condo uh, at the M1 concourse? So we call them garage condos. You can't actually, they're, they're not zoned for residential in the sense. So, so they are 
Uh, what we do is is when we build and we deliver the new owner, basically a finished white box, depending upon what size you built. So some of them will you know can accommodate two or three cars, and 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 some of them, you know, ten to twenty cars. Um, and then these owners build them out. Most of them put in, you know, a, a mezzanine. Sometimes you know one level or one and a half level mezzanine, um, and and it really goes to the extreme. I've been to some where you know the chaps have got their cars. They've got a lift and they've got the obligatory TV, refrigerator and couch and they're tools and they're happy. And then on the other extreme, you go in and it's white marble floor, chrome handrails, glass walls. Looks like something on Architectural Digest in a, a New York City apartment. Nice. Um, and everything in between with, with all different themes. There's sort of a speakeasy theme. One chap's got a nautical theme. Uh, one of the new units I hear is going to have a, a Bugatti theme. Um, oh, wow. Some of them, although they're not zoned, they're not zoned for business and they're not zoned for residential. Uh, but there are certainly some that, you know, if you were up late at night playing cards or drinking, um, you would have an extremely comfortable night there. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> I love the fact that Tim sounds so ed- educated and polished, and we get to put our favorite question to him here at the end. Oh, awesome. Tim, what's the <laughs> dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? <laughs> well, I'd like to think I haven't done anything dumb in a car, but that yeah, being I ain't said, it. <laughs> well, really. <laughs> well, actually, you know, well, I know it was dumb. It, it certainly wasn't one of my clever moments. So, when I was with the, the Black Hole Collection, we would do these events we called expositions. We did one in Pebble Beach in August. We did one. We actually took some cars to the, the Retromobile event in Paris. And we would do one in Hershey, you know, during the um, Antique Automobile Club of America week uh, at the Hershey Lodge, um, which is a large hotel property. And we would do, a, it was probably a four evening event um, with anywhere from 60 to 80 cars on display. You know, mostly sort of classics, but, but all collectible to appeal to the many people that would go to the Hershey meet. Um, and on the, the Saturday was always the last day um, and, and each year at the end of the day on Saturday, once all the guests had left, um, the, all the people, part of the team that had worked there, you know, we'd always, always hang around and, and tell stories and, and have a few drinks. Uh, well, one year, um, and we would always have, uh, you know, four um, young ladies that would help us as hostesses, greeting people um, at the event, at the information desk. Um, and one year, I remember them saying that they wanted to go out and they were asking about a particular car. I said, no, we can't, we can't take that car out. As the evening went on, I said, but and they said, what about the Jag? It was an E-Type, a Series 2 E-Type Roadster. Um, and I said, we can take that out. And, uh, and, and first of all, it's an E-Type Roadster, and there's two of them and me. So now we're looking at three of us getting into <laughs> a Roadster. But because this hotel had a big parking lot and it was on the corner of two major roads, I thought, well, we'll do a couple of laps around the parking lot, around the building, and it'll be fine. And then we're talking about now it's about 1130 at night. Um, so I go out of the parking lot. Well, you know, common sense got the better of me. And I thought, well, let's go out on the road. So I pull out on the road, turn left. And the intention was to go down to the major intersection, turn left, go down, and then turn into the main entrance of the hotel. So I went down to the intersection. Uh, when the lights changed, went down. I missed the main entrance to the hotel and went down to the next set of lights, sitting ready to do a U-turn. 
Um, and I think I told them something like, well, you got to hold on. And they said, we're not holding on. I said, well, I'll, I'll give you a reason to hold. Thinking I'm going to spin the car around this U-turn. Um, well, I did that. Um, but what I didn't realize that the front row seat on the other side of the intersection was was one of Derry Township Sheriff's Department's patrol cars. Um, so needless to say, lights, sirens followed me into the hotel parking lot. So I'm sitting there in the driveway, me and these, these two young ladies into this roadster with the top down. So he comes along and, um, you know, does the usual license, registration and insurance. And, and first of all, I got a California driver's license, which in that part of the world, you're automatically guilty when you pull out a California driver's <laughs> license. Yeah. So, I, you know, and then I'm going like, um, officer, I got a bit of a story to tell you, because I knew there was no insurance. And I looked, opened the glove box. And, and there was no registration. So now, oh, God. Um, mm -hmm. so, so he started listening to this and he was very receptive. Uh, fortunately, he was, a, he was a sort of a car fan, uh, but he also had what he just seen and he go, so he listened to the story, took the license and he went back and we're sitting there. And meanwhile, everybody in the hotel, the bar of this hotel- Everybody right has come out to see you. So, oh, so now I got, I got a, a, a cheering section um, sitting there <laughs> on the balcony. So he comes back down and he goes, um, I need to see the rigid, I need to see the Vintag. Because he goes to look in the windshield, thinking he's gonna find it in the windshield. No, it's, I, not there. it's under the hood, and I gotta do the E-type, the, the e you know, bonnet latch dance. Mm -hmm. So I reach over the girls to, you know, to, to unlock that side, I just get up. So he goes back and sitting there waiting and waiting. And he comes back and he goes, Well, we we got a problem. He said, this car is currently registered to Mr. and Mrs. whoever they were in somewhere in the middle of Minnesota, and you don't have anything to say your story, so I'm in essence looking at you driving a stolen car. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. So now I'm doing the hamana, uh, hamana, hamana. Oh, Minnesota, <laughs> okay. One of the people working the events for Minnesota, this and that, I mean, I was, talk about winging it. And, you know, eventually, you know, and we must have been there the better part of 40 minutes. So he comes back, and for whatever reason, he, whether he believed me or not, but he said, well, um, I'm, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I need to write you a ticket. Um, and right at the moment, I was the happiest guy in the world being, being written a ticket. Um, it actually turned out to be quite possibly the biggest ticket I ever got and probably will ever get in my life. It seemed to go on forever. Um, and he did say, he said, you know, I want you to know we have a reciprocal with California, so you better pay this. I said, believe me, this will be paid before I leave town. So. Um, so by the time we returned to the expo, where now everybody's thinking, what's happened to Tim and the girls in the car? And I come in and uh, um, show this, you know, long piece of yellow paper with I don't know how much it was, but uh, it was a pretty significant ticket. Um, anyway, that probably was uh, qualifies as, as a dumb thing to do at the time. Looking back, so. a ticket beats handcuffs every single Believe me, time. I was, that's exactly. Yeah. It. I'm thinking anything to stop me going, you know, that Derry Township uh, <laughs> local Nick. So, <laughs> I, I think he let you off because you called him constable <laughs> and he really liked that yeah. we've been speaking with tim mcgrain freshly minted ceo of m1 concourse in pontiac michigan you can find all the links for tim and m1 concourse on readthedriven.com and i would be remiss if i didn't mention that tim came to us courtesy of Cindy Meidel of Car Yay. PR USA. Thank you, Cindy, thank you, Cindy, as always. And Tim, thank you for being with us. Gentlemen, thank you for the opportunity. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. 
You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com, ReadTheDriven.com, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show, and listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt, yep. Mark Groves, Yo. and yep. Ped Watt. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.